0: Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented
1: by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Hi, welcome to this Irish Tech News Podcast. Today I'm talking with Stephen Bowes, Global Practice Director for Information and Security Technologies at BSI Consulting Services. How are you doing, Stephen?
0: Very well, Ronan. Thanks very much.
1: So tell me a bit about... uh, what Secure Active Service Edge, also known as SASE is?
0: No problem at all. So uh, it's called SASE, uh, S-A-S-E, Secure yes. access Service Edge. It's, it's a phrase coined by Gartner in 2019 in a paper that they put together. And it's really a defining a convergence model of two, two security architectures, uh, two architectures. One is the Wide Area Networking, WAN architect, yeah. architecture, and the other is the network security one. And it's, it's about converging these into kind of a single cloud-delivered service model. So if you think about traditional um, WAN technologies, you would think about you know CDN, content delivery networks, which are designed to get content out to various elements of the network, and SD-WAN and network as a service, stuff like that. So all the kind of connection stuff. And then if you think about the security, network security side of things, you're talking about stuff like uh, cloud's um, secure web gateways and, and um, cloud access security brokers, the CASBs, and, and firewall as a service, so the kind of the securing of the connection piece, and it's a converged model about putting these together and, and realizing the benefits of of doing that.
1: Yeah. So, uh, and why will remote working facilitate the increase in this? And has COVID nineteen ensured that it that it that it is now going to be used a lot more than now was just time. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a very interesting one. So when Garner wrote the paper in 2019, they, they had a number of assumptions based on what they had seen to date and what they were what they were guessing would happen. So, for example, they said by 2023, 20% of organisations will have adopted. Uh, some form of software gateway can be zero-trust network. Uh, and by 2024, something like 40% of enterprises would have this in their strategy. I think, to answer the question about COVID-19, this is going to accelerate that. I think if Gartner were to sit down now, even now, uh, where we're in the middle of, of the, the reaction to the crisis, um, they, those numbers would change greatly. And indeed, by the end of the crisis, when it occurs in t- late 2020 or early 2021, uh, those numbers will change again. So look, you know, in terms of remote working, what's happening is, Sassy is a model that was built because uh, of digital business transformation. So, what we've seen over the last couple of years, uh, as you may be aware, is that previously the old architecture way was the data center. You know, so what we did was we we open companies, we put our data into the data center, we put our apps into the data center, and then everybody connected in from you know head office, branch offices, yeah. remote locations, and so on. And so, basically, the data center was a center of, of the of the enterprise model. Uh, as you know, and as people on, on the podcast will know, over the last number of years, we've seen this massive shift of data to other data repositories. You know, incredible adoption of software as a service so Office 365, Salesforce.com, stuff like that. We're seeing a, a number of increasing workloads in infrastructure as a service, you know, in Azure and AWS, yeah. you know, as we're seeing all this. So what's happening is that no longer is the data center at the core of, of the, the model. It's now just simply another uh, entity within the model uh, as uh, are, are the others. So in terms of the remote working facilitation and what would be the benefits of SASE and why would it increase? Well, the first thing is to do with user experience. And for both users... And for administrators. So, from a user perspective, as everybody knows, is work from home. They could be suffering with uh, multiple agents that they have to deal with. If they want to enable a VPN, they got to get a token. They might have to go multi-factor. Um, there could be latency performance issues. We've seen that well flagged in the last several weeks and and months in terms of things slowing down as as Europe goes online, as America goes online, there are Zoom calls. We've seen security features and issues with various applications and so on and so forth. So from a user experience perspective, anybody who from home, it can be be daunting. Uh, And then from an administrative perspective, so you're an admin or a systems admin of of an enterprise, uh, you've got to deal with, if you have multiple vendors in the network and security space, you're dealing with multiple portals for provisioning, you've got different support contracts, different SLAs. And then how do you apply policies, you know, a big point is around security, data protection, you know, data breaches. So how do you apply policies? So without a single model uh, for, for policies, it, it can be quite difficult to do that. So the remote working and, and the increase in that as a result of COVID-19 is, go, is going to really accelerate the move towards a converged uh, model, which, uh, as we say, has been defined by SASE and by Gartner
1: Yeah, and I guess when you're talking about diff- different uh, kind of products been used and service services, if you're using basically an older legacy system how do you make sure it's compatible with all the different softwares they're going to be using security wise?
0: Yeah, well, that, that's that's a good question, and the, the answer is we we end up, as sysadmins, we end up with a kind of a hybrid approach, we, we yeah. do our best efforts, so we would have applications that sit behind the VPN, so in order to get to them, of course, you would need to establish a VPN connection and the various modes of that. Others, uh, such as, as you know, Office 365, that will be delivered from a cloud, so that would be obviously through, through the local breakout, and then the question is, in terms of your VPN, are you rerouting the, the user's VPN back to the office and then out through that, one? or are they breaking out locally in their, in their local internet connection, you know, and that depends on your configuration. So, it, it's, you know, you've got these multiple challenges as to, you know, distributed number of apps, where are they and so on. Um, so, it, it's very important to have, you know, how do you how do you get uh, get a holistic view of that from an administrative perspective, from a security perspective and from a policy um, application perspective, you know, what are your policies? I've got a security policy, a data loss policy, uh, you know, I've got internet access policies and so on and so forth. So, how do, how do you do that? And ultimately, it's going to be the VPN has always been the, the, the legacy core of that, where people will have simply establish a connection back into the head office and have the policies in that way. And unfortunately, what's happened with the remote working is uh, if you're using cloud-based services, um, the, uh, the, the advantage of using cloud-based services is that anybody can connect into any cloud service from anywhere with any device. That's the whole point of it. I can have a user in Sydney yeah. you're connecting in at 4 a.m. Um, but of course, with VPN. We have a series of restrictions around that. As you know, tokens can expire, uh, dongles can can die, they can get they can they can end of life, yeah. they can they can crack and break, you've got to ship one out, you've got to provision a new one, and they can't get access to the applications without them. So so really Sassy will help drive a better user experience for both the users and for the admins, which will ultimately result in reduced complexity and reduced cost.
1: You can remember 30, 40 years ago in, in computing terms, we were all used to having dumb terminals where a computer would be linked into a main server. And now, we, by using the SAS, pass and IASS, I- we're now going back to that kind of idea as your computer is a dumb terminal.
0: Um, you, you are and you aren't. I, I came from that world in terms of um, you know uh, mainframes in the yeah. banking world way back in the day. And um, you are and you aren't. You are correct to a degree. You know, something I always said, that there's no such thing as the cloud. It's just someone else's computer, yeah. you know. And uh, and you are right. We have gone through various different models over the years. Uh, I started out on mainframe programming and, and mainframes and, and all of that. And that was, that was interesting. I went through the next phase, which was client-server. Um, you know, multiple servers, multiple clients. Um, We are now into the cloud phase of that, okay? uh, Sorry, we then went to the data center phase. So instead of having a a server room in in the head office, we we had a data center and we got all the the benefits out of that. Um, And now we're in the cloud-based phase, public cloud, private cloud, hybrid, and so on and so forth. So using various, you know, platform infrastructure and software-as-a-service models. Um, So we're going through various phases, and we don't know what the next phase will be. There, There are, you know, mobile phones with terabytes of disk assigned to them now on the market market you know which is incredible 10 years ago a terabyte uh, provisioning a terabyte in the data center was a huge job in terms yeah. of cost and complexity so you are right we are going through different models but the key thing is that the, this the idea around network security the idea around performance uh, around policies and around user experiences is the same questions and considerations we've had we've had today as we had in all of those scenarios and we'll, we'll have in the future um, and sassy is designed to help answer all those questions and make things a lot easier for, for both users and admins.
1: Yeah, well, I guess if SaaS is is making the, the user easier to uh, to play with and understand how it works, you would have less issues. Because long term, the biggest issue is when somebody, <coughs> sorry, if someone's using software, are not sure how it works or, or how to play with it. If you've got something that's so simple to use, then it makes it easier to transform your business
0: yeah absolutely especially around stuff like applications so a lot of, of what, what we're defining within the SASE model is actually uh, is transparent to the user you know they don't see what goes on in the background in terms of the various um, you know intelligence that's going on so for example you know securing applications or securing a browser isolation technology so what that means is it will render your content in html5 to your browser yeah. you don't see that in the background you simply go to rte.e or bbc.co.uk and it renders in your browser. However, what, what browser isolation will do, for example, which is one element of, of the SASE model, is that it'll render it in HTML5, which means that those links and clicks and polls that you do click on are safe. You know, transparency to the user. So to your point about making it easier, absolutely. And if you have always on VPN or if you have um, secure internet access or private access, um, well then what happens is you're automatically VPNed as part of of the sign on procedure. So there's no need to go get a token. No need, you know, you know yourself. You got that 30 second window with the six digit code. You got to get it real quick. Otherwise, it goes to a new code. You know, you get much better experience. And as as well with the traditional model, we you do have incidents. You do have uh, issues. You do. have breaches and of course it's a terrible hard thing for a user um, when they have to notify their IT department they clicked on a link or they, they click on an attachment and then what did you do and that they go through a kind of a rigorous process what did you do can you turn off the laptop we'll, we'll ship something out to you or we'll get it off you and there's an invest. you know the whole process so if you can make uh, the user uh, be in a more secure bubble shall we say yeah um, logically if you can ensure that's the back end in terms of applying policies putting the, let the technology do the work you know let, let them run with the ball and make it as as easy as, as possible, so that so the user when they sign in, their identity is secured. That they they have um you know the, the identity is confirmed, uh, and then they're using their, their applications, they're using their documents in a secure manner and in a way that that minimises the risk that they will click on links or that they will send the document out inadvertently to you know to a wrong party uh, and so on. So yeah, you are correct. The, the the main one of the main benefits will be that a user experience, and that as a result we're going to see serious productivity uh, uh, increases. We're going to see less security incidents and there's a whole cost to an average security incident and it's going to be very transparent the, you know, automatically applying policy seamlessly to users, the experience is going to be much much better for them.
1: I remember 30 years ago when I was in college and I was learning programming and we used two different sets of computers, one was basically uh, a digital vac system and another was basically uh, IBM PCs that were running DOS, now to use both systems you had to be able to uh, use uh, MS-DOS Properly and also use the uh, various commands for uh for on the on the Where nowadays it's all GUI based. That's not easy much. So that's what's going to be like to me. That you're going to get something like GUI, which is so easy to use.
0: Yeah, no, you're right, and you're actually on your age by saying what you say so yeah. you, you walked on vax. Uh, no, you listen, you are correct. It is all GUI based, not just from a user perspective, from an admin perspective as well. If you think of the, the public cloud providers, uh, Azure and AWS, they make it so easy for you to spin up a virtual machine, to, to to enable a firewall, WAF, to apply it there, to assign IP. It's so easy. Previously, you would have been on command lines. You would have been provisioning up, you know, uh, Luns, you know, in terms of storage, assigning a LUN to a virtual machine. It was all. It was all very much um, command line driven. No, you are correct. It it is now a user interface. To to be fair, um, one of the benefits, apart from the fact that it's easy to use, because there's so many now application and software defined um, applications available to to us, uh, you need that user interface, that easy user interface, because there's so many now new components that simply weren't available 20 years ago. Back then, it was very much about core functionality, you know, yeah. getting a computer to talk, get, getting an application, getting the user, you know, into the application, and just using the application. Simple as that. It was, it, was, it was a very linear process. But now we're seeing there's so much, so many application hinges on, on other applications in other platforms. So, for example, if you take AWS, you you know, you've got Cloudflare, you've got, you know, sorry you know, you've got networking, route, route 53 for DNS, you've got all the various components, You've got seams and security. There's so much going on. So, from a, from an admin perspective, a managerial perspective, you, you know, it's important that you have a bit an easier interface. If you're trying to command line everything that we do today, it'd be phenomenal uh, because the number of services that we provision and provide to our users is far in excess of what it was. You know, if you turn, if you do a typical report, I, I read recently that if you look at how many. A Cloud applications a typical 100 person organization has. And if you ask somebody, if, you, if they work for a 100 person organization, how many cloud applications do you have? And say LinkedIn be one, Facebook, you know, whatever, yeah. Salesforce be one. They would say something like, I don't know, 100, 150. The answer is 2,200 on yeah. average. Yeah. Um, so it's phenomenal the number of applications that we're currently using in in, in organizations.
1: Yeah, and for me also, I'm thinking of <clears throat> when you're using the Gibby interface, <clears throat> because most icons are very similar. You can use it pretty easier as well.
0: yeah, and you can make mistakes. You yeah. can make mistakes. and and one of the ones one of the big advices we do give to our uh, customers is um to really read the service level and and operating level agreements very, very carefully, uh, especially around data, you know because um, while the majority of cloud service providers have very good resilience in their in their in in this space, and, and when I say resilience, I mean power and networking and storage and, and that type of thing, so if they have a failed disk or a failed power supply, you know, whatever it is, they've got massive resilience. There's no issues there. However, when it comes to data, um, if you do make a mistake, if you are in a database or in a file system and you do make a mistake because of that exact point on about, you know, it's a GUI, and you click on the wrong button, you might not even know it. Yeah. Um, the the fact is you've only got a short period of time up to perhaps thirty or six days to rectify that mistake. Um otherwise that mistake will then go into in into the system. They don't provide you with, you know, what we would call traditional backup um, capabilities or data protection capabilities in terms of, you know, timestamps, go back a month, go back six months, whatever. Um, and it may only be noticed as a result of an audit later that month or maybe there's a, uh, you know, later that year, maybe a query comes in, somebody runs a report and notice some of the numbers don't tally the way they expected them and then they do a due deal and then they find that has been missing or whatever. And as you say, it could have come because somebody was in an app and just didn't realise it, uh, and that's that's one of the drawbacks. that these, but you know, nothing that a bit of uh, awareness training and, and and proper procedures wouldn't help mitigate against.
1: You no, know, so <coughs> talking about SLAs, make sure the SLA that you've signed also uh, covers pandemics, because right now, with so much data being used, being well working, got to make sure it's always safe and always secure.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a contentious one. Uh, it always has been. You know, the concept of force majeure has always been there. In terms of hurricanes, we saw it in 2005 with Katrina, big it came out of that, um, which obviously caused massive destruction, including that of data and technologies. And, and we're seeing it now in COVID-19. There's a lot, of, a lot of insurance companies saying, hang on a minute, you know, we can't uh, we can't adjudicate for this. You can't hold us to this. So there is a big, uh, we see we see a lot of litigation coming out of this actually in the coming year or so. Um, you are correct. The service level agreements are very important, especially with supply chains. So with supply chains, you have multiple suppliers yeah. and you can have suppliers within suppliers. And so what I mean by that is you could be working with a software as a service uh, application that is one of your primary applications. So you have that contract and the SLA is very good, it's five nines or whatever it is, and it has all the protections you need need your legal department signed off on it. But they could be using a data center themselves to host their application. And you may or may not see that I of that if you, if you don't know what questions to ask or where to look. And they might be operating at 3.9s. Um, service level agreements. So ultimately, you're only as strong as the weakest link in the, in the supply chain. And if the weakest link is a three nines and everybody else is a five or six nines, you're going to be at the behest of the three nines. That's the way it works, you know? Yeah. So, what we would say to our organizations there is uh, have a very good, strong onboarding due diligence process. We would recommend stuff like the Cloud Security Alliance. Yeah. Um, um, assessment. They have a CIQ, which is a questionnaire, which covers a number of domains and asks some very pertinent questions. We've seen other customers use ISO twenty seven thousand, which is the our, uh, the security management system framework, and to use that as a basis for asking the questions around what controls are in place. But either way, uh, have a good due diligence, a good onboarding, ask all the right questions, make sure you're happy, make sure your legal team are happy that you have the appropriate liability clauses in, and so on, and also you have to service credits. Uh, clause in that if you do suffer downtime um, that you will be credited back you know depending on, on, on what's in the contract like for example let's pick one if you pick Zoom for the last couple of uh, weeks since mid-March to mid-May um, I understand I had a quick look just before this call on, on one of the status monitors and I think they had 50 days within 94 days that are in that window of outages to varying yeah. degrees you know uh, yellow amber green or so yellow amber red um, so uh, because they had to react to the massive upsurge in and, uh, activity, which was unexpected and unplanned for. So, yeah, yeah, you do need to make sure you have proper protections there from a legal perspective. because
1: yeah, you mentioned earlier uh, Hurricane Katrina, and uh, when that happened, I guarantee businesses were probably then told, because of what happened there, we'll make sure your data is stored as a backup in, a, in, a, in another server data centre. Now, because of COVID-19, and it's happened worldwide at the same time, that's harder to do as well.
0: It is, it is. You know, Katrina... Katrina um, 9/11 and Katrina changed business continuity in, in uh, driven out of the states for obvious reasons. Like in 9/11, there was a case where a company had its primary site in, in Building One and its secondary site in Building Two, um, and in Katrina, there was cases where they had the primary office in you know downtown. Uh, New Orleans, and then they had the data centre, you know, a couple of kilometres up up the road in in, in an industrial complex. Uh, And as a result of those two disasters, the thinking then became something along the lines of, depending on which geography you're in, of course, if you're in Ireland, it's a bit different, because we're only so so long and so wide yeah. in terms of kilometers but there was there was inferences that you should be looking at 250 kilometer difference uh, distance between your two data sites uh, to allow for these type of massive massive issues as massive flooding or whatever it is, destruction uh, obviously in Ireland not so much the case because of the length and breadth that we have within the country but look the, 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 you know each of these pandemics and, and recessions and so on and so forth uh, causes to rethink our, our strategies. And this particular one is really going to re- uh, rethink it in terms of network and security. Remote working is here to stay. It was here to stay beforehand. It was it was operating at I don't know a ten percent to twenty yeah. percent hovering rate, depending on the company and the type of company you're in. We're all have gone to literally a hundred percent. Uh, simultaneously globally um, for those who can, of course, do it, who can't be built remote work. Um, we're seeing companies now who are announcing, a lot, especially on the cloud provider side, you know, LinkedIn and stuff, Twitter, that they will expect our workers to work straight through to 2021 and, and some in perpetuity, imper- you know what I mean, in terms of working remotely. So uh, the, the, as a result, the architecture model that we've been defining, it's discussing today uh, and Sassy will really help that in terms of having local breakouts uh, you know, recognising that, that it, we're no longer in a core-based system, as we were, with the data centre. We're, we're in an edge-based system around mobile devices, connectivity, security. These are going to be the key pillar stones uh, to the architecture that we see going forward. And Gartner have started that, funnily enough, before C19 ever came in. The, per, the paper that they wrote was in August 2019. So very much forward-thinking. And uh, the model is embryonic at the moment. It's hybrid. People are beginning to adapt it. But it's—I uh, see this being a game changer, and I see it being accelerated through 2020 into 2021.
1: Yeah, I guess this—this this was 30, 40 years ago. Would be a different scenario because we couldn't access our data properly. Now technology is there; we can access on our on the go on ubiquitous devices like our laptops, like our our tablets, like our phones. So, it's, in one way, it's easier to manage this.
0: Yeah, well, that's the idea. So, so basic, basically, what Sassy is saying is it's going to deliver to you the service based upon the identity of the entity. So, so what is what is an identity of an entity? So, an identity can be a person. It can be it can be an application, a device, you know, an IoT device. It can be a location, and so it'll it'll take the, into account. It'll take into account real time context. It'll take into account compliance policies and continuous assessments of risk. So really, it's tying in the zero trust model around it, that your identity is is the core component. That we rather than focus on on individual components like securing a device, securing an application, securing data, mm-hmm. if we can secure the identity uh, and 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 the entities, then that'll be a far better experience and a far more seamless experience. So you are right. Uh, that's what it'll do. And what that means is that. Is that no matter what device you have, you have your corporate device phone. No matter what country you're in, you can connect into your application anytime, day or night. Previously, if you remember, and we we started them at mainframes, I remember working. You couldn't access the system after eight o'clock at night because the banking system was running through checks. It was doing reconciliation overnight, you know. And then the, then the next morning, the ATMs would be updated and all that jazz. The balances would all be there. Uh, but now we're looking at we're looking at a twenty four seven continuous reconciliation process yep. you know the, the data is real time that if a sales manager wakes up at 3am just before month end or quarter end and wants to run a report, he just logs on and runs a report and he gets the figures he wants. You know, you don't need to wait for a batch job to run. You don't need to wait for processing at the background, you know. And and you don't need to get a VPN and tokens and stuff. You can just be securely signed on, access your app, run your report, get the data you need and move on. It's going to be tremendous. You know? It
1: rem- reminds me of, if you go into a website right now, it can tell if you're on a mobile device or if you're on desktop. And it will give you that accordingly. So I guarantee with Sassy, it's probably doing the exact same. It knows the device you're on. And, and yep. works best hand, uh, how you can handle on that device.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's, it's about entities and the identity of these entities. And it'll know exactly who you are. It'll know what permissions you are, what device you're on, what location you are. And it'll provide a whole ton of security context around that. It'll know that you can't log in from Russia at four pm, and then simultaneously or within ten minutes, log in from from Dublin at you know ten past four. You know, so it'll have that kind of context awareness, geolocation awareness, uh, IP awareness, time and date awareness. You know, all of these levels of security, granular security controls built into the process. It'll learn. We're seeing great strides in, in this in this space from all of the identity providers. Um, so yeah, it's going. It's going. It's, going, it's a much, much better experience and a much more secure experience.
1: Yeah, and for me if you're somewhere like Zappa, you're in a restaurant or a coffee shop or a pub, and you're on the Wi-Fi there, will know that you're on that Wi-Fi and know that it can't trust it, so won't let you access. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then it'll ask for additional factors. It'll, it'll go through an additional series of protocols to enable that, that 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 to be and it's great, you know, we we've seen cases where organizations have such a, a real time viewpoint that literally you'll try to get on from somewhere, it'll be refused. You go, Oh, what, what am I doing wrong? And then suddenly you get you get a, a WhatsApp or you get a message from the sysadmin. we're notice you're coming in from this place, can you tell us about it, you know? Um, so yeah, no, it's gonna it's 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 a great value add to enterprises and those numbers that Gartner did with the, with the thirty. Uh, and 40%, uh, I see them going rapidly upwards uh, as as time goes on, especially through 2020, um, because of especially because of C19, which is going to really drive it, you
1: know. You like when I, when I when this didn't happen, like last year, I used to go out for lunch now and again to my local pub, and afterwards I sit there and the I do some work, and now with the sassy, he can tell where I am and it knows I'm not in a secure environment, and it'll make sure I jump through hoops before it allows me to use it. Which is great... Yeah, yeah,
0: and it'll secure it. So, yeah. so that's the whole point uh, about having secure internet access is that you have a VPN connections. You'll have always on VPN. It's t- it's apparently on your phone, so you you can uh, you know previously. Prior to having this type of technology, we, we would say to clients, uh, look, it, it, we wouldn't advise you to go on to uh, you know, internet cafe or a pub, whatever. If you do have to work for that location, then certainly you must turn your VPN on, connect into your corporate network and browse through to the corporate network uh, to get the security around that. That won't be the case with the SASE model. Um, you'll be able to get uh, secure internet access, secure um, private access to your applications, yeah. uh, always you know, 24-7, no matter where you are, so you won't be restricted in that
1: space. Cause I've always been in the past. I'd always think at times, how can you f- spot a uh, a fake hotspot? So i normally might use my phone as a hotspot, which you know is more secure.
0: Yeah, it's very hard to do that. To be to be fair, Ronan, yeah. I mean the naming conventions, and they might have four of them. You know, three three bogey ones, one right one, or even there could be two right ones. Um, where a hotel have put an initial system in, weren't happy with it, and obviously built an extension and put a second one in. Then for the extension, and didn't didn't consolidate the one. There's all kinds of of uh, ways around that. Look, the bottom line is, um, the, you know, zero trust network access, which which is what we're espousing as part of the SASI model, is exactly that. Have zero trust in the network. Yeah. Assume everything is bad. Just make that assumption straight off the bat every email is bad every website is bad assume it's all bad and if you make that assumption that they'll help you build an appropriate framework which actually is is one part of you know
1: yeah get if you've seen everything is bad up something you to prove it's good and then if it's good you can work with it
0: exactly yeah. exactly and that, that's the whole principle of, of zcna zero trust network
1: access so what do you see is the future of network security in the cloud with this
0: yeah, no, absolutely. So, so as I say, I've, I've kind of um, explained earlier on about the, what was the, what was passed, which was the data center in, in, in that uh, center. So uh, th- that is a legacy, uh, you know, situation. It's one that is not addressing the needs of digital transformation. Um, you know we, the data center is not going anywhere by the way what we're saying is it's no longer the core it's now another entity as the other ones are so going forward it's going to be it's going to be, um, it's going to be um, internet access secure web gateway converged into one model so what that'll do is it'll it'll make um, it'll make the experience more seamless to the user which we've discussed it'll also um, improve security because we're going to have uh, content inspection integrated into the SASE framework so you're going to have that you know inspecting of content because the bad actors are using encrypted, you know, if you look at uh, we're now saying 94% of web traffic is now encrypted, so you see the SSL, you see yeah. the little padlock in the, in the URL bar. Um, so the, previously that was a sign that you were secure, that you were good, and it's no longer the case because the majority of bad actors are now using encrypted traffic as well. So you need to have content inspection built into the process, which SASE does. Um, you know, as I said, Zero Trust Network Access, which is based on the identity of the user and the device, not the IP, is going to help simplify policies, are going to help in terms of the future. Again, you can't do that with, with the original architecture, and it's about effectiveness. You know, uh, even from a staff perspective, it means that if you have uh, systems analysts, security analysts, they no longer need to be worried about hardware. Or you know, running around um, provisioning additional services, it's going to be cloud-based, so they can focus on business requirements. They can focus on regulatory requirements. They can they can go higher up the food chain in terms of analysis and providing value add to the to the to the to the organisations. You know, and the final thing I'll say is that it's going to be cloud-based management of policy distribution. And so what that means is that no matter where you are, as you say, coffee shop in Hong Kong, uh, you know, hotel in Paris, uh, you'll simply connect to your nearest point of presence from the Sassy solution. You'll get the policy down. It'll secure you no matter where you are. And it'll be absolutely seamless. So that, that's that's why it's the future. And the players who are in this market, you know, we're seeing some of the big cloud providers, you know, the Zscalers, the McAfee's, Proofpoint, they're all moving towards this with multiple uh, hybrid models of CASB and identity management software gateway, um, securing a- applications and so on. So these these are going to be some of the major players in this space going forward.
1: Yeah, for me in the past, the most known thing has been when you had to install uh, basically end of software or anything uh, on the computer itself, and at times it could become a resource hogger. But if it's all done via, via the cloud and online, it's a lot easier and less hassle
0: absolutely I mean yeah you were right years ago we would have had false positives we would have had interference with applications or interference with other antivirus vendors there was all kinds of issues lots of when you tried to run the reports they, you know they're very are these actual 100 percent accurate reports you know you second guess yourself and so on uh, you are correct the cloud-based ones now are very very good they're very lightweight they, they, they're, they're very small in terms of what actually goes on the device they're talking to the cloud all the time yeah. and they're getting very very strong threat intelligence you know they're feeding I mean if you take Proofpoint, for example, they see 49% of the world's email. Believe it or not, the world's email, they see 49% of it. So, for example, that's a massive threat intelligence. Microsoft are the same. The amount of endpoints they have is phenomenal. McAfee have been in the game for, as you know, uh, decades. So yeah. they've got inte- incredible threat intelligence. So they're they're able to see, so if, if they see a threat on their intelligence model in Australia and it's validated it is a threat, that threat intelligence is spread to all the users globally across, through, through the software um, and that, that's an incredible boom. You know what we really love to see in the industry, and we haven't seen it yet, is that we're seeing all of these individual. Uh, conglomerates have their own threat intelligence but what the real key will be is for that threat intelligence to be shared you know, if we could get Microsoft to share with Amazon, Proofpoint and yeah. Zscaler now it's not in best commercial interest or otherwise to do it but ultimately that's really, we are seeing some of, um, some movements in that space The uh, DXC from, Mac, from McAfee is, is where you can, if you're a provider you can add your threat intelligence as a feed into theirs, so there's a bit of movement in space but we'd love to see some more of it, you know
1: yeah, I remember years ago I used to use a software called Trend House Call that would work from the cloud and I could check out your, your PC. I think that's now coming back with these kind of software. Now you're talking about it now that's going to be the future.
0: Uh, where I checked out your PC, so it gave you like a health check.
1: No, it checked viruses. It was basically oh, very good because it had a thing at the time where there was a lot of antiviruses years ago would lock down an antivirus working on your computer that was installed there. So Trend yeah, House Call yeah, yeah. was working from the cloud, so because of that. The uh, any virus in, in your machine couldn't detect
0: it, yeah, yeah, and also the signatures. You know, yeah. years ago, you had to get the latest signatures, so the signatures came out every whatever it was, every couple of weeks, every couple of days. If you didn't apply the signatures and roll them out constantly, you know, if, if something came out that was newer, it, yeah, it, it got through, you know. Whereas cloud based, it's it's in what we call near real time, it's not actually time, but there's a slight delay, but it's in near real time. So, though that threat intelligence is being generated, is being modified on a second by second basis centrally in the cloud. And then propagated out and policy applied via you know points of presence globally. So you are right. You know that, that is a great boon and it's, it's a great it's a great fence. You know a barrier fence to help you build up your defences. Um, so yeah, we're seeing some great movements there, and there's some lots of new vendors coming to the market. We're seeing CrowdStrike, only a couple of years old, and and a few others doing some great stuff in the space. You know,
1: yeah, it's good to see because I can remember years ago certain certain things you were buying software wise, and I can't buy that because Resource Hogger, I can't buy that because. Easy to hack into and then when Fred Hescold came along and it became a cloud of software for free that was great and now that that's now probably is now going to be the standard uh, of how we do think it's that's great to see that
0: yeah no it is and and one of the great one, one of the big drivers of that of course is Microsoft yeah. so years ago if you had said to a system admin or security admin you know you're using what what is your antivirus vendor? and you said Microsoft you, you would have been generally, genuinely laughed at a, a couple of years ago yeah. but what we've seen is tremendous uh, or the effort by Microsoft they've done t- t- tremendous work in that security space they recognise the challenges uh, they recognise that they were being usurped by third parties who were providing a better service in that space and they've gone on, on a hearts and, and minds mission and, and Backed up with you know research and technology and spending R and D spending, and now uh, ATP uh, you know yeah. advanced threat protection and all the all the bells and whistles that Microsoft are providing is now a very strong offering and well well regarded. So it's it's yeah it's very interesting to see that the developments in that
1: space. Yeah, because Microsoft I remember years ago installing Outlook you know Office onto, Mac, onto a computer would take forty two floppy disks. Now it's done from the cloud <laughs> or it can be you can log in and it's a lot easier.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. Now you're right. The days of floppy disks are well and truly gone.
1: <laughs> I can remember that. And you, you get as far as disk 25 and there's an error on one of the disks. So you have uh, to start again. Yeah, oh, I had to go and see if you can download a flight definition and try and put it in there. It was annoying. Whereas now you can log in uh, on the cloud or install on a computer. But you're guaranteed to you always have, like I said about today's uh, updates for the virus providers within real time, which is great.
0: Yeah, no, it is, and, and Microsoft have, have moved in that space. They've they've moved from, as you may be aware, in the last uh, several months, they've gone to a, what they call Microsoft three six five. So yeah. it was previously Windows Server, it was Office twenty sixteen, Office three six five. It's now the single entity called Microsoft three six five. And then it's just modular. It's just what you want to buy. Do you want to get a server office? Do you want to you want to buy an office suite office, whatever it is. So uh, yeah, no, it is. It's it's a very interesting world, Ian. I think you I think you lost half the audience when you went into twenty five uh, floppy disks there. Yeah. Wrong, you know, <laughs> what the hell I is did. he talking about?
1: They're probably, yeah, they're looking at me going, what's that? And then if you ask them, uh, somebody, uh, what's a CD? They probably will get lost as well because they're used to streaming yeah. and downloading
0: yeah. No, it's interesting. It's yeah. interesting days. and I'm, I'm, yeah. But it's all driven through connectivity. It's all driven through bandwidth. Uh, and, you know, uh, you know, if we if we were still constrained by, by network speeds, we wouldn't be having half the conversation. You know, um, it's all been driven by, by the gig um, the networking that's been put into place and will be put into place through, you know, UK and Ireland over, over these coming couple of years. It'll be driven by 5G. That's a big contingent one that's coming in yeah. soon. Um, the speeds are going to be off the charts. I mean, people are going to be looking at us, you know, um, in the years to come. You know, you only had fifty meg. What's wrong with you, you know? Yeah. And we you know, you and I can be talking about nineteen point two k on a modem. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's been driven by this massive uh, network piece, and which is obviously half the, the sassy story—the convergence of the network piece, the connection piece.
1: Yeah, you know, twenty years ago, I was working for a while in a company called Zylinks, and they had a they had a T-Mun connection. And yeah, uh, yeah. one day I was trying to uh I I was at home trying to upgrade an old computer of mine so I bought a new motherboard a new RAM, and uh, my Windows wouldn't accept it because they said it was a new computer different license, so I rang on Microsoft to complain about it and they said to me, oh yeah well uh you have to download it and you haven't got speeds it goes well actually I'm right now sitting on the computer with with the T1's service speeds. And they're going, and no, I'll be calling you every to get it because they didn't believe I could have it. Yeah, I've got that, and I'll tell you where I'm based. And within mm. about two minutes later, I said, "Download it from there, and you'll be fine." But they always yeah, used yeah. excuse because I've got the faster speeds, can access it. That was the way you get away with it. Now you can't do that because we're all basically got you know, fast broadband speeds and cloud and everything else. Back then, that was an issue. They could use it as a excuse, and you actually have to go along with it.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. You're right, and. Um... <laughs> It is interesting that the network connectivity at home is interesting. Um, it, it's important for people to uh, assess their network provider. Um, you know, I, I know people who have good speeds, so they do a speed test and it comes up well, but they've got poor um, service. And what I mean by that is uh, their up up speed, their upload speed is smaller, way smaller than download speed, been throttled. So as a result, they can have issues there. You can have issues with jitter. You know, yeah. um, where you get your slightly out of sync on the phone, uh, the video call is disruptive. Um, you know so so there's, there's there's elements it's not just a speed test uh, you know 30 meg I'm yeah. fine uh, it, there's other elements to the quality of, and also the quality of the device as well traditionally our ISPs will send us out some pretty poor uh, routers you know in terms of the modems that they, they provide us with uh, and modern homes can be a problem as well um, you know with the new regulations in the last 10-15 years regarding insulation yeah. um, with the thicker insulation and and timber frame houses we've seen issues with getting wireless signals through houses so people need to be looking at that as well in terms of, you know, either getting boosters or putting a network mesh in or, or even just simply swapping out the ISP router for, for a better one, you know. Um, but, yeah, no, in this new world that we have, it's you know, this will be part of it. And you know something? In terms of buying a house, I think this element, this component of buying a house is going to be as important as others. Yeah. So previously we would have looked at location, we would have looked at schools, we would have looked at, you know, I don't know, hospitals, supermarkets, whatever. What, what's in the location? But one of the key questions nowadays is what's the internet speed in this area? You know, because of this smoke. uh, situation, um, you know, I read a p- paper article there recently that this could be—I don't know if it will—but this could be a boon to those villages and towns outside of Dublin, Cork, and, and yeah. Galway and stuff who have been suffering losing young people um, to, to those locations, uh, obviously for jobs and experience and whatnot. Um, but if you can get a really good broadband connection, then somebody could work for Google, work for Salesforce, work for Microsoft from these remote locations mm-hmm. if there's good network connectivity. So uh, I think this could be this could be the start of, of, a, of a number of New areas, and I'd be, be fascinated to see how it yeah,
1: evolves over coming like years. About 40 or so years ago, when when he took us six months maybe to get a phone line in your house, phone line was at was one point is a luxury, then a necessity. I think internet is going to be thing, broadband is going to be a thing, it's no longer a luxury, but it's something we need to have every day.
0: Yeah, so that you know, that, that's like, that's exactly it. It's it's become it's gonna become a major utility, you know, yeah. like water, like electricity. It's gonna become one of those if it's down, your life is impaired. You know, you won't be able to make a booking, a medical booking or check your financial records and so on and so forth. So yeah, you are correct. I think it's 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 on a par now with, with other utilities. I think it's probably fair to say, especially with the younger generation coming through who've only ever grown up with it. Like we can switch this stuff off tomorrow. And we grew up without it, depending on what age you were. Yeah. Um, but, um, but others can't. And uh, it's getting to that point. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting.
1: And earlier, you mentioned a bit about the upload speed. When I'm doing my, po- my podcast now, uploading, if I have a flow up- upload speed, I could be ages uploading the file. And especially if I'm uh, decided to go and end the podcast I'm somewhere in a local cafe- coffee shop, I end up using my phone hotspot because I know that the speeds there are so slow, it'll take about an hour to upload a file times.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly it. So it's uh, so yeah, it depends on your job, depends on what you know what the parameters are and stuff. But yeah, what we would say to people just just make sure you're happy with not just a speed test, but the but the, uh, the uploads. You can do a full speed test, upload and download. Look at the delay, look at the latency, look at the model, the routers and stuff like that, and make sure you're happy. You know, and make sure you've got good connectivity throughout the house, yeah. especially in in a, in the situation that we're in now, where it's work from home, where you might have to move uh, throughout the house. During the course of the day, depending on if the kids are in, the kids are out, you know, it, people are cooking, you know, and, and you have calls to make, um, you might have to move around the house. So there's no point in having it, it's good downstairs, but no good upstairs or vice versa, you know, so it's uh, the, a couple of considerations there. You
1: yeah, know, so before you get to bed, if you're in, in your bedroom and before you go to bed, you're checking your emails, making sure you can access your, your, your uh, internet properly so you can, you can actually do that.
0: Uh, we'd recommend not checking your emails. Uh, yeah. I read, a, I uh, gone to bed. I read a very good book um, about this, and and one of the piece of advice I took from the book, I can't recall the actual book, was never check your email if you can't act on it straight away. Yeah. So if if you're in a situation where you're 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 actually going to bed or whatever, and you and you see an email and you go, oh my goodness, I need to do something. While you're in bed, what are you going to do? Go back out and start re- reboot and, and start up again. So never check your emails if you can't immediately act on it, you know. Another like, example that would be you've jumped on the, the Dart or the Lewis and you're on your way home from work and then you check your email. And then there's, suddenly there's an urgent request. So what are you going to do? You're on the Lewis. You're heading towards your apartment or your house, whatever yeah. it is. So there's no point. It's actually pointless. You're much better if you were just checking in is to do it when you get home. At least that way then you've got your laptop with yeah. you or you've got your home laptop and you can do something else about it i think it's a good it's a good piece of advice because it just increases um worry it increases stress it's on your mind because you know there's what you can do you can't get that report you can't react to that email until you get home and um you know it just i think it's very important we're seeing a blurring of private and, and professional lives here we're working from home that yeah. this is a new place of work people can see into your bedroom or, or your your living room whatever you're sitting and um we need to be very careful that it doesn't become too blurred uh, from a professional perspective because. Um, we will see, we would, I would say there will be a productivity downturn as a result of that, where people are working longer hours, they're a bit more tired, you can make mistakes, especially when it comes to data, we spoke about yeah. it earlier on, and uh, it's very important to have, in terms of have a quality private life, as well as a quality professional life, yeah. and they both, are, they both are symbiotic with each other.
1: And I guess you said, my, people might think because you work from home, you've got more time to do this, so they might send you an email at 10pm at night, whereas before in the past they wouldn't do that, they'll do it now. And now, oh, he's home now, he hasn't gone anywhere all day. He's the time to do this because during the day, you might have taken a longer break. They don't know, they don't know how you're working. So they're assuming
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we wrote we wrote, a, we wrote a, a thought leadership piece on this topic around security when working from home. You know, because what happens is when you're in the office, you're very aware of security controls. Yeah. You're very aware, you, 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 you know, you put your key code in or you use your key card, you get in. You're very well, the IT department are beside you. Um, you have a, a privacy screen. You know, it, there's a lot of controls in place. And you know the IT team are doing the back are, are working in, on your behalf in the background. But when you get home, you kind of loosen up a bit. There is no security control cards. There is nobody looking off your shoulder. You're in the private privacy of your own house. Um, so you might become lax in terms of your security. you might lock your keyboard when you walk away to, to, to cook something or to meet the postman at the front or go for a chat with the neighbor. So um, so that, can, that that can create issues as well. Um, and you may be reading more mails and especially with C19 and we've seen a lot of um, bad actors generate C19 themed campaigns. you know click here for the latest news on, on recovery rates you know stuff like that, real hook bait stuff phishing attempts and ransomware attempts so and people are and have been clicking on these accordingly you know so it's very important that people have a security mindset when they work from home and the same mindset they would have in the office
1: yeah because also if you're working from the office the connection you have there is more secure than your broadband home you've got to make sure that you've that whatever you're doing you're following a protocol that you're working from from your office not not your house
0: absolutely so especially when it comes to stuff like wi-fi passwords don't use the default change it Um, stuff like that you know um, there's a number of uh, considerations you can do um, to make sure you know this, uh, another thing of course is that if you've got depending on the age of if you have children they share the passwords so what happens is somebody comes over to have a play date or well they did prior to this situation and um, but they shared their, their password and it was on their device so was there in the vicinity of your house they can use your internet connection so so there's a load of considerations you now need to treat it's no longer just your Sky or, or Aircom or whatever connection it, it is others it is now a professional one so you need to have a think about what is my Wi-Fi password should it be changed um, who has access to it? I need to restrict it down, and so on and so forth, depending on your on the nature of your work, of course.
1: Yeah. And lastly, how has COVID nineteen changed the way it be? It's like Consulting Services works?
0: Um, it's It's been very interesting, actually. Um, funnily enough, it, 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 we had a we do business continuity uh, uh, tests ourselves as part of our We're ISO twenty seven certified. So we have to do them as part of that. And in 2019, we did one where we had lost access to the building, Um, and how would we work remotely? And I had when we when we devised this exercise, I had thought about um, where the uh, where the building where we were was was uh, sequestered off, you know, a gas leak or a terrorist incident, something like that, where there was police lines up and no one could get access to the building, but everybody was intact. So that was the thought process in our mind when we when we had the exercise. Of course, never thought about pandemic, but the exact same principle worked. So, basically, it worked straight off the bat for us. Uh, we'd figured out the majority of the puzzle beforehand, and we simply tweaked it accordingly, you know. So, what we've done, is, it's been very interesting. We've been very fortunate to be able to deliver our services uh, through our virtual consulting uh, capabilities. We've had compassionate check-ins, with our clients and they're not to, to sell them anything or anything it's just to have a chat how are you getting on a lot of our clients have suffered they're in the hospitality area they're in the travel area stuff like that so we were very conscientious of that and uh, we've issued a lot of thought leadership uh, on you know remote working security connectivity and and right now actually we're now looking at providing some insights in in the coming uh, short time frame as we now traverse back towards you know back towards into work in, in the phase model so how do we transition back it's one thing to go into a business continuity where you go from working one way to another way but how do you go back again so we're going to provide some insights to our clients on that as well so it's been a very interesting experience uh, it's been reasonably seamless for us not so much for some of our clients but um, you know it, it, we, we, we've we've been able to adapt our services and actually one of our one of our key services was uh, internal pen testing which you can only do on site and we were able to use our US guys had developed a solution for that. We had to use that for EMEA and that's worked very well. And we've got some very good feedback from our clients. So we've, all of our services are available online. And the final thing I'd say is, is virtual training a lot of companies have taken this opportunity to, to go to get training plans initiated, you know, because they got some white space, they got some free time to do it. And so we're seeing a pickup on the virtual training side of things in terms of numbers of courses and numbers of people. So it's a really good time if you have some free time and you have training for the year, you know, that you would have, you'd like to have done in 2020. Yeah. It's a really good time to, to do that. And all these certification exams are now available remotely as well. So nothing to stop you if you've got some spare time to do that, you know.
1: That's great. And, uh, Thanks so much for that enlightening call, Stephen, and uh, have a great day and good looking future with COVID 19 for you and your clients.
0: Thanks very much, Ron, appreciate it.
1: Thank you, take care, bye.